the 2001 New England Patriots, the team that started an NFL dynasty. In a season full of dramatic twists and turns on and off the field, the upstart Pats shocked the world, redefining what it meant to be a team and a Patriot. 20 years and six Super Bowl championships later, we're revisiting that historic season, hearing from different perspectives that were there to witness it firsthand and tell the tale. From players to coaches, local and national media, and even some fans, mixed with some of the most iconic sounds that define the season, it will be a unique six-part journey back as we follow the roots of the Patriots dynasty to the one championship that started it all. We are all Patriots, and tonight the Patriots are world champions. I'm Mike Dussault, and this is 2001, a Super Bowl sound odyssey. Episode 2, From the Ashes. All right, Vinatieri set to kick off the 2001 season, and here we go. After a busy offseason and a productive training camp, the Patriots wrapped up their preseason and prepared to embark on the 2001 regular season. While the team had added a number of free agents in an effort to rebound from a 5-11 season, quarterback Drew Bledsoe was unquestionably the face of the franchise, on whose arm the Patriots' playoff hopes firmly rested. Bledsoe's arrival as the first overall pick in 1993 signaled a sea change in New England. The uh, Patriots select Drew Bledsoe, quarterback, Washington State University. After the team had registered just 14 wins in four seasons from 1989 to 1992. New England, the Patriots, and we. Paul Perillo, Patriots Football Weekly. Yeah, I mean, being a Patriots fan was not easy in, in that era. You know, when you were coming off the, you know, the mid-80s success, they went to the Super Bowl in 85. The stage is colorfully set for the NFL's top two companies, the Chicago Bears and the New England Patriots. But then, you know, that core of talent got old, and one by one, you know, the Hannas, the Nelsons, Stanley Morgans, Ray Claiborne's, they all they all left, and it was bad. I mean, when I was in college watching the Patriots, it was almost embarrassing to say that you were a Patriots fan. That's how bad they were. Starovsky, remember, missed his first field goal try of the year earlier in the fourth quarter from 43 yards out. This one, a 27-yarder that would tie the game. Three seconds left in the fourth quarter. Snap, ball is down, kick is up. No good! And the ball game is over. Drew Bledsoe immediately gave the team legitimacy, and I ran out <laughs> and got myself season tickets as a result, and I've basically been at every game since. It was all really stemming from that decision to go with Bledsoe over Meyer, and I think throughout the 90s, the success that they had was all predicated on that pick. Bledsoe back to throw, looks, floats to the end zone, touchdown, the Patriots win to Kevin Turner! Drew Bledsoe's third touchdown pass of the game in overtime to Kevin Turner, and the Patriots come back from a 20 to nothing deficit to beat the Minnesota Vikings in overtime. Patriots players are mobbing Kevin Turner. They're mobbing Drew Bledsoe. What a performance by the second-year quarterback this afternoon. Mike Reese, Metro West Daily News. Once Parcells came in and they had the number one pick and he makes this decision of Drew Bledsoe over Rick Meyer because there was some debate. It was like, wow, we got the coach. We got the number one pick and he's big and he's strong and he can throw the ball. And it gave us hope. 
Like, and that, that I would say for me individually, like this is more as a fan because I'm a kid at the time, just graduating high school. It was like, I'm into the Patriots now. Bledsoe threw for a career low in yardage as a starter in his first season under Coach Belichick, which made it all the more curious when the franchise QB signed a 10-year, $103 million contract on March 7th, 2001. Tom E. Curran, Metro West Daily News. I did not think that Drew Bledsoe was the guy. Drew Bledsoe was the hood ornament on CMGI Field. In September of 2000, I spoke to people who indicated to me that Robert Kraft was having some reservations as to whether or not he wanted to go ahead with Drew Bledsoe. And he ultimately did. New England signed Drew Bledsoe to a 10-year, $103 million deal. Paul Perillo. When Drew signed that contract, it, it was almost like everybody just sat back and said, okay, well, that's our guy forever. Because a 10-year contract, when he's done playing that that's going to be it and it, it's really funny to look at it the way it, it turned out to be exactly the opposite i mean he was the quarterback for another game and a half jermaine wiggins tight end drew was you know drew was an amazing quarterback i mean i grew up a pats fan so you know i i kind of remember bledsoe when i was in college so having the opportunity to get a chance to 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 play with Bledsoe, um, you know, he had just signed a contract. I want to say like for like a hundred million, something like that, back at the uh, time. And you know, he was the face of the franchise for the Patriots. Bledsoe back to throw over the middle. It goes. It is caught by Jermaine Wiggins, fighting oh. it into the end zone. Goes Wiggins. Nick Fitzy Stevens, Patriots fan and personality. With the arrival of Bill Belichick. Tremendously excited to be here to be a part of the New England Patriots organization. And what seemed like a mismatch, like a, a marriage that was never going to work between him and Drew Bledsoe. I was surprised. I think every Patriots fan was surprised that Bledsoe was signed to an extension. Bledsoe and Belichick just didn't make any sense. Obviously, Belichick had replaced Bernie Kosar in Cleveland. Like, he had no fear, didn't give any Fs about coming in, making his mark on the organization, and putting in his guy or finding a way to stamp the organization with what he thought was in the best interest of the football team. It's an exciting day, opening day in the National Football League all around the country, and particularly uh, as we're looking at this situation here today for the guys out on the field right now. As New England traveled to Cincinnati for the 2001 opener, the Patriots hoped that Bledsoe and a team that had largely been remade around him would pay immediate dividends. Preseason on the defensive side was to see that attitude that's been sorely lacking uh, here over the last couple of seasons. Clearly, with the presence of a Brian Cox as a free agent, uh, Vrabel, and th that kind of veteran presence has really put that spark back in the defense. Now, it's my hope, and, and I'm sure the Patriots' hope, is that that attitude carries over on the offensive side of the ball. After a scoreless first quarter, Bledsoe would find Troy Brown for a 14-yard touchdown for the team's first score of the season. Play action fake. Bledsoe fires. End zone. Touchdown! Drew Bledsoe's first touchdown pass of the season goes to Troy Brown. But the offense would be stymied from that point. Right now, the Patriots looking a little shaky. Adding just another field goal in the first half, while watching future Patriot Corey Dillon rack up 104 yards and a touchdown. Kittman, the give to Dillon, shoots it up the middle and roars into the end zone. Touchdown. Bledsoe would take four sacks in the game. And while a late touchdown to Jermaine Wiggins made things interesting. Well, and how critical that tight end position, or how lacking that tight end position has been in the Patriot offense here of late, in the last couple of years anyway. And in this particular drive, Jermaine Wiggins has come up pretty big in it. Patriots turned the ball over on downs on their last two possessions. 
sealing the 23-17 win for the Bengals. That's going to take care of it. The Patriots open the season with a loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. And a very tough way to start the season. Patriots would fall to 0-1 to open their season. But just two days later, their record was the last thing on anyone's mind. This just in, you were looking at a, obviously a very disturbing live shot there. That is the World Trade Center, and we have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center. On the morning of Tuesday, September 11th, Patriots offensive guard Joe Andruzzi found himself starting his day off in the dentist chair, just a couple hundred miles away from his three New York City firefighter brothers. Joe Andruzzi, offensive lineman. You know, nobody knows their future. Things change day to day, all the time. And uh, you know, here I was in a dentist chair on uh, Tuesday, 9-11. And uh, my uh, brothers, one was at work and the other one was, you know, he was ready to start work on uh, the Thursday. His first day in the job was 9-11. He was supposed to start. He was a rookie. He was supposed to start on Thursday, what, the 13th. So you just never know. And, you know, for me, I was sitting in a chair and not realizing, uh, you know, what was happening over the over the radio in a dentist chair. I got my car and I used to listen to Howard Stern and it wasn't a normal Howard Stern. And, you know, he was very sincere. He was, well, he's broadcasting right from New York City and just telling everything that's going on. And oh, my goodness. Oh, no. A second plane might have crashed and a second building is on fire. Uh, my heart went to my throat because I just had a very strong feeling that if not one, two, or, or even three of my brothers were there. There was a convoy of fire and police trucks racing down the West Side Highway. And this is in the middle of rush hour. Obviously, every uh, available fire unit here in Manhattan has been brought to the Trade Center. So I got 12 hours later, I think my father finally called and told me that my brother gave the phone number to a guy in the street who had a phone and asked him to call. And the guy was nice enough to call my parents and tell them that he was alive. And I got a call that night, and the bridges and tunnels were still closed, so I couldn't get home. <clears throat> Went to work the next day, and you know, it wasn't. I wasn't even. I wasn't even there. This time, and it's for the first time in its history, the NFL has canceled all of its games this weekend. And according to a couple of the players, at least, it was not a difficult decision for them. Well. Thank God they canceled the weekend. I think that was one of the best decisions that uh, the commissioner uh, had done. And, you know, I know I couldn't have done it, and I can't imagine the New York players that were down there, you know, all around that area. I remember flat out saying, we're not playing, and if you try to make a play, we just won't show up. And uh, I know this is not a video or anything, but my brother holding his index and his thumb together when I first ran into him at my parents' house, and you know, holding it close together and saying that's how close he was to death. And he was running out of Tower 1 when it was falling behind him. And, you know, it still gives me chills to even talk about it and mention it. But, like I said, I can never fathom what he or any of his colleagues or even my brothers went through in the day of and the days leading afterwards. Now, ladies and gentlemen, please join together in a moment of silence for the victims of September 11th. After the week away, the NFL returned to action the following Sunday, with the Jets next up on the Patriots' schedule. The Andruzzi family also made the trek from New York to Foxborough to take part in a pregame ceremony that would become one of the unforgettable moments from the season, and one that captured the attention of a nation in mourning. Right now, uh, by the way, I want to point out that uh, 
former New York City police officer Bill Andruzzi and his three sons, who are New York City firefighters, are at midfield with their brother Joe Andruzzi, the Patriots guard. I knew they were there at the 50-yard line waiting, and uh, I'm sure, you know, they had a lot of uh, butterflies and myself and had to get back to work for myself and as, as well they, they did too and turning around and thinking about what they went through thinking about how the last week has been week and a half and you know uh, they don't want any of the accolades or anything but you know mentioned to them I said no you're standing and they, they stood out there you're not a Patriot or a Jet fan right now they are the Patriots' honorary captains today, which I, I just thought was a marvelous oh. gesture by the Patriots. I never forget coming out there and hearing the roar of the crowd. And, you know, hopefully the first last time we ever see the Patriot and Jet fans holding hands. But overall, it was a chill that goes through my body. And for me, I knew they were out there. I knew they were waiting. The American flag still being held in the middle of the field from 35-yard line to 35-yard line by the Patriots cheerleaders. And a spur-of-the-moment thing, there was two flags. That picture you see of me, there was two flags taped on the tunnel of Foxborough Stadium coming out, and uh, they called my name, and I grabbed them off the wall and held them high in the air. And letting them know I'm, I'm there for them and, uh, you know, there for the whole country as well as, you know, the NFL and the teams that are going to be there and help in any which way we can. So to stand out there and hold those flags high and get those butterflies going a little bit, but also seeing the greatness of my teammates. Damian Woody, offensive lineman. Oh, that was, that's my brother, man. It's, it's, it, you know, I grew, you know, just, we spent so much time, spent so much time around the Andrewsy family, and you just and you you just got a, a really close bond with them, you know, and just seeing the seeing the story and just hearing them talk about it, you're in like you're in awe because it's like wow, these guys were right on ground, you know, right there on ground zero. These guys were right at the epicenter, you know, of, of the of the of the worst terror attack in in, in our history. One of his brothers barely got out of the World Trade Center before the collapse. They've all been involved, the three firefighting brothers, in the rescue efforts uh, at the Trade Center. And, um, you know, it, it was just, you know, sometimes it was just crazy to think about that. Here it is, a guy that I played next to, his his family was, you know, was right there as, as far as that event is concerned. So, um, you know, always had a huge amount of respect for, for Joe and his family and, um that that day, just watching Joe run out, you know, run out of the tunnel, um, was just uh, man. You feel like your heart was going to explode, man, because you just had so much adrenaline. Nick Fitzy Stevens. I don't think I've ever heard on a non-scoring play a greater scream in a stadium. Just the just the crowd just went crazy. Everybody just had the same kind of goosebumps I have on my arm now. Just like oh, the USA chance that broke out over and over and over again, and. As Mr. Kraft said time and again that season, what team better exemplified the unity we needed to display more than a team named the Patriots? I mean, the, their colors are the flag, the the Patriots. People didn't hate the Patriots at that point. There was no long history of success or domination. There were no scandals at that point. Like, the Patriots were kind of a, a lovable, hard luck team at that point. Matt Chatham. 
linebacker, and special teamer. Then we line up for the, the anthem, and you hear the rumble of planes overhead. And I just remember, you know, talking to the guys alongside of us, and a lot of us looking at each other going, what's that? We were told no planes. Well, what's happening? You know, that, and it's just sort of a moment of weird, you know, you're thinking in ways you would never have thought before had, had that not happened the week before. And, you know, ultimately it was a mundane thing. They did do a flyover. I don't know why there was the confusion about whether or not that would happen, but it just it sort of shows the uh, crazy thoughts that are going through your head at that time. And, uh, you know, then it's like, okay, whew, nothing happened. Okay, let's just get back and go play a football game. But it was a weird game and that, you know, you're not – you're typically you walk in the football field and you're not thinking about anything but football, but that, that definitely was one of those days. Chris Berman, ESPN. When football started going again – um, as I look back at this 20 years later, I think that maybe, I don't want to say 9-11 was helpful to the Patriots, but I mean, look, people were thinking about a lot of other things. Football was, a, was great to have, and, and they were playing baseball again, and but nobody was normal, and nobody was thinking normal. And so as unnoticed as the Patriots uh when they started to win, you know, they were one and three, and they were five and five. So you wouldn't necessarily notice them, and you would notice them less so because of the, the fall of, of 9-11. So what I'm trying to say is they really were under the radar, and I think in retrospect that was really helpful to them. Mike Reese, so let's start with a story from week two. This is like before Bledsoe gets injured. And this was Mike Westhoff, the Jets special teams coach. And he's on the field before the game with the Jets head coach Herman Edwards. And Herm, you know, loves to tell stories. And what Herm remembers from before that game was a conversation with Bill Belichick. And Herm, you know, friendly guy. Hey, Bill, how you doing? And this is what Herm tells. He says that Bill told him, I'm not, I'm not doing so well. Like, we bleepin' stink. They might bleepin' fire me before this year is over. Like, that's what Herm remembers hearing from Bill prior to that week two game against the Jets. The offense would look even more tame against the Jets than they looked in their loss to the Bengals, producing just a single field goal through three quarters, trailing the Jets 10-3 with former Patriot Curtis Martin scoring the game's only touchdown. First and goal, Jets at the eight. Martin, touchdown, New York! At the helm of the Jets' offense, Belichick's quarterback that had replaced Bernie Kosar in Cleveland. Vinny Testaverde. Testaverde on the draw to Curtis Martin to the left, squeezes through a hole. With just over five minutes left in the fourth quarter, Bledsoe, trying to lead his team to a game-tying score, was flushed outside the pocket and ran up the sidelines with Jets linebacker Mo Lewis bearing down on him. Bledsoe deep drop, steps up, now rolls to the right. Now he's going to have to run at the 20, 25, 30. Oh, and Hunt got a bounds right at the stick, but I don't think he made a first down. He got whacked over on the far side. As he tried to run the 10 yards for the first down, and I'm not sure he down. he's going to get up on this one. He uh, he really got hit. Nick Fitzy Stevens. The hit Mo Lewis put on Drew Bledsoe, you, know, you can hear it when you watch the NFL Films clip, and most people have only experienced it through social media now. When you were there, it sounded like somebody dropped like a salad bowl full of bricks right in front of you on the bench. 25, 30, oh! Like, it was so loud. It was like a small car accident. And I was on the opposite side of the stadium, 
And I heard that, and you watch Bledsoe go down, and there was a <gasps> from everybody. Like, everybody knew, like, oh, no. And the medical staff immediately over to check on Bledsoe. Bledsoe would return to the field the following series, enough to hand it off a few times and see the Patriots offense fumble it back to the Jets. When the Patriots offense took the field again, a new quarterback was under center, Tom Brady. Tom Brady's in the game. He is. You're right. Drew Bledsoe is not in the ball game. Brady showed poise in his appearance, moving the Patriots offense 55 yards and within range for a last second shot at the end zone for the tie. But Brady's bomb would fall incomplete and the Patriots would fall to 0-2, losing to a quarterback who was in Bledsoe's shoes just a few seasons prior. Brady rolls out to his left, looking down the field, looks, fires to the end zone, and it is incomplete, and that's the ball game. Scott Pioli, Patriots Director of Player Personnel. When we were at the New York Jets, we were coming off a 12-4 season, had lost the, in 1998, had lost the AFC Championship game out in Denver, who won the Super Bowl that year. And Vinny Testaverde had had a terrific year. The next year, first game of the year, 1999, Vinny ruptures his Achilles. And we have an injured Jet on the field. Testaverde. It is Testaverde, and he is pounding, pounding the, ground. the ground, which is not a good indication for the Jets, no. for Testaverde. I mean, uh, when when you see a guy doing that, he knows he's injured. And it, it, it's one of the awful hard truths of, of this game is that, you know, there's traumatic injuries and, and bad things that happen. And you know, as a leader, you just have to move forward. You show empathy that's genuine because you do care about the player. And we had a plan in place. We're being told that Drew Bledsoe, now imagine this, we're being told that his replacement is not because of injury. Paul Perillo. When he left the game, I don't think there was any reason to think that this is going to be something that's going to keep him out long term, but it was quick. He's a tough guy, but I'll tell you what. Ball is pretty good on that one. He's up and uh, walking under his own power. He found out how serious it was pretty quickly. There were reports about him being rushed to the hospital and the sheer blood vessel. And, yeah, at that point you knew he w he wasn't going to be around for a while. Um, and that's when you, you sort of had a – Take a step back and reevaluate what you thought was what they were going to be capable of. Charlie Weiss, offensive coordinator. Let's not downplay. This was a serious injury to Drew. This was a lot worse than people knew. I mean, people, you know, he went to the hospital and everything like that. That was that night in the hospital was, you know, it was it was touch and go. It wasn't like everything's great. As the severity of Bledsoe's injuries came to light. It was soon apparent that suddenly Tom Brady was going to get his chance as the starting quarterback in his second season. Scott Pioli. The reality is that we really felt that Tom Brady was a player that was going to develop into a good quarterback in time. And it, it, it happened a little bit sooner than I think everyone was, was expecting. And, you know, it wasn't perfect at the beginning with Tommy. Um, but I'll say this, you know, he had the full support of his teammates, not only on offense, but on defense and special teams and the coaching staff. Charlie Weiss. Hey, look, at we had Tommy and Damon Eward, so I still had two really good guys in a room. And we, we just, you know, we just started, we took baby steps, you know, and then we grew from there. And the more, the more he showed he could handle, the more we did. And it's amazing that you could think about it. We started off Dinkin and Duncan right, uh, right off the bat and at the end of the year, He's running a two-minute drive to win a Super Bowl. So, I mean, obviously, he, the offense evolved very quickly 
with him at the helm. On first down to the zone, 25. Bloodshow back to throw. Looks, fires over the middle. Caught by David Patton at the 40-yard line for a first down. David Patton, wide receiver. I had played that entire uh, uh, preseason with Tom Brady on the third team offense. So who are we, who are we going up against in, in training camp? The number one defense. And I can tell you, we gave number one the, the number one defense problems, Tom and I. And I'm telling you, Tom, if if you didn't know uh, Drew Brees, I mean uh, uh, Drew Bledsoe was the the hundred million dollar quarterback at that time, you would have thought Tom was the starter. Just just his leadership style, I mean his composure, the plays, the throws that he made uh, uh, in practices. Hey, right here, bring it up. Hey, this group here is going to be why we win right here. So when, when Drew uh, gets knocked out of the game against the Jets, and I see Tom running into the game, it's like in my mind it was in slow motion. I was like, oh, we getting ready to go because we had already had so much chemistry. And when he comes in, you know, everyone knows the, the story. Troy Brown, wide receiver. So at that particular point, I think there was just a lot of behind-the-scenes meeting with, you know, guys having, you know, one-on-one meetings with each other and guys stepping up and saying their piece with each other and we got to do this and we got to do that. So, you know, kind of soul-searching as a football team. And then we just said, you know, we got we to gotta come out. We just got to play better football and uh, not turn the football over, you know. And, you know, Tom came in and – he showed a poise that, you know, I don't think anybody really expected him to show when he came in. And then he, his leadership skills were on display. Not that he was lighting the place up, but just some of his decision-making, his confidence that he played with, you know, it just kind of permeated through everybody else. Naturally, an easy place for the young quarterback to lean was on a veteran defense and running back. Pepper Johnson, linebacker's coach. We have to um, put the team on our backs. Um, and curious because we have this young guy um, sitting up there and we don't exactly know, um, you know, what we're getting ready to get from it. So we have to, we have to perform and carry the team. And it was, like I said, it was a a blessing in disguise because look at 12 now and um, what we end up doing at that uh, that, with that scene. Mike Vrabel, linebacker. I mean, you always want to play good. You always want to play well. And, you know, regardless of what the scheme is or what the what the what the game plan is offensively, you know, we had all grown and had a relationship with Tom and knew the type of leader that he was and the type of competitor that he was. And you know, I think we all had the same mindset. Like we're we're going to roll on. Tom Brady uh, showed some some great poise in moving the team in preseason. Let's see if it carries over to the season. Rob Ryan, linebacker's coach. Well, I tell you what, uh, if you recall, remember Brady was playing lights out in the preseason. I think the third preseason game, he had the best quarterback rating in the, in the entire league. Like, so he was playing really well. But, you know, obviously when you see Bledsoe get hurt, who's, you know, was a great quarterback, you know, you're thinking, oh, man. I'm not sure he down. he's going to get up on this one. He uh, he really got hit. Antoine Smith, running back. Once Drew went down, you know, the majority of them, you know, kind of fell on my shoulders a little bit to, you know, to try to get the running game going so it won't be so much pressure on a young Tom Brady. First and goal, Patriots at the Indianapolis 4. They give us to Smith to the left, trying to find running room, and he is in. Touchdown. Antoine Smith from four yards out. Matt Chatham. So, you know, Tom's a guy who was a rookie in 2000, and I know how hard he's worked, and 
Tom hadn't been, you know, for most of that 2000 season, Tom didn't even travel. So, you know, he would he would be home as, as, as not the third quarterback. And we're coming home from these road trips and, you know, coming back into the, the condo and he's peppering us questions with how the, how the weekend went, how the game went, how the trip was, and things like that. Now it's, you know, fast forward a year later, and we know how much it meant to him. Jermaine Wiggins. Tom um, was a guy that was super competitive. You know, he, 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 he was super competitive. He was a great leader. Um, even though he was a young, uh, a young player at the time, he understood, like, okay, the quarterback is the leader of the huddle, and he had a great – uh, uh, he had a great feel for that, and so when he came in, I think you know we as a team we felt like you know, you know Drew went down, and you know we're gonna wait till Drew gets back, but we felt like Tom could you know hold things down until Drew got back. Damian Woody. When you watch Tom in practice, the dude has so much command in the huddle. Um, very, very smart, very bright, and obviously we. I mean, Tom's work ethic is, is legendary, and the fact that he came in in fourth string and then worked his way up methodically um, to be the backup, and it, it, it didn't seem like the moment was too big for Tom. It really didn't. You know, he came in, and, you know, obviously the stadium was kind of, you know, in shock with, the, with, you know, Drew going down, but, you know, when Tom was in there, man, he just took full advantage of the opportunity. Out of a shotgun, Brady, first down. Looks, fires, it is caught over the middle. And out to the 30-yard line goes Patrick Pass. And in a gain of four yards in the play. He, did, he wasn't nervous. You know, a lot of times, the quarterback, they you can feel the energy in the huddle. And you didn't feel a nervous energy with Tom in the huddle. And um, for everyone that's in that huddle, that's a, common, that's a common feeling, knowing that, you know what, this moment's not too big. We're going to be just fine, and we're going to... And we're going we're gonna to continue this thing moving forward. And that's how I felt with Tom in there. Next time on 2001, a Super Bowl sound odyssey. A young quarterback goes through some ups and downs as the team discovers their winning formula to carry them to the playoffs. 2001, a Super Bowl sound odyssey was produced by Mike Dussault with audio engineer Matt Morell for Patriots.com. Can't get enough Patriots 2001 content? Relive the historic year by following the Patriots Time Machine, a social media account 20 years after its time, following the Patriots 2001 season as if it were happening live. See daily transactions, watch game highlights, and go back in time to the start of the Patriots Super Bowl dynasty. Follow along on Twitter and Instagram at Pat's Time Machine.